Stand by to receive our transmission. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. That are alive, you are coming with me. The Force will be with you. Always. As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. You've been bad, smoking some unfiltered marbles? The, it sounds like it, doesn't it? The bad news is I'm off vacation and I'm back on the radio. The good news is I'm off vacation and back on the radio. <laughs> See how that, that's so cool how that works with you and I. It does. When we're going on vacation, we're glad to go on vacation. Don't get me wrong. We want to get out and, and do something fun, fun wild, and something maybe weird sometimes. <laughs> I won't get into that. But we're also really we're kind of we miss being back at the radio station and, and being on the radio even when we're on vacation i told uh, some people I, can't some people just forget it in their job and leave it behind and don't care i said this last week i said i guarantee there was just that one little moment right around 10 o'clock the little internal bk clock went oh, you're supposed to be on the air and then you went back to playing you know in universal i was but actually, actually, last week I was actually leaving already. But by the time the show was true, on. true. But to but to have gotten here in time to be on the air, I would have had to get up at two in the morning and <laughs> head back this way. And I wasn't doing that. After I don't the, think the missus was going to let that the happen. fun and frivolity that we took place <laughs> on on Friday and I can tell Friday you this: night. I am very jealous that you have gone to Harry Potter World not just once but twice now. But uh, it is I'm, on our... Uh, it's three times. I've gone three times. Okay, now Universal. I hate you more. I know. Three times <laughs> Universal Studios. I will say this. It has uh, not only uh, re-encouraged us to put it on our t- on our bucket list, but it is it has been bumped up higher on the list of things we want to do. The wife is still big on a, on a two- or three-week kind of tour of Italy. Go from town to town, rent a car, not, not go right. to the big touristy spots, but just get a sense of life in Italy. And that's a bigger bucket list item. That yeah. requires a few more dollars. Well, I figured out that you could do maybe four or five days in Italy. Cheaper than Disney. Uh, cheaper than <laughs> Disney. If you if you really work at it, you certainly can. I told her, I was like, look, i got so many friends now in the UK. We can stay pretty much at people's places and just kind of make... Yeah. I've got someone in the London area. I've got someone in the Southampton area. I've got somebody basically just over the border in Wales so we right. can go visit Welsh, you know, the Welshland. She's like, I don't want to go where people speak English. I'm like, but, but the, wouldn't that make it easier? <laughs> But they're speaking it with an accent, though. Yeah. Yes, it sounds different. <laughs> they're like, no, you speak it with an accent from America. True. No, no, we don't. Like, oh, you Americans we sound go on, so sexy. We go on vacation. You go on holiday. <laughs> yeah. They go on holiday. They, they, have, they, they have put have their crisps. trunks in the boot. <laughs> right. They have crisps. We have cookies. Oh, no, crisps are potato chips. Or crisps, yeah. Or what are cookies? Biscuits. That's mm-hmm. right. Biscuits versus Biscuits. cookies. Yeah. yeah, biscuit is a different thing here because we well, put gravy on ours. That's right. <laughs> Some people put gravy on everything. 
Yes, enjoy your nine and three quarters refrigerator magnet Hogwarts Express. I think I this is awesome. I think that you'll enjoy it. And it right. I said I was going to put it on Instagram. I got to do will, that. It reminds you to uh, deposit a little bit of change into your uh, ch- deposit some change into your uh, your travel account. We do. We actually have, uh, and my wife is really smart about this. We all know that we spend money off of debit cards so fast we don't necessarily maybe pay attention to exactly what's in the account. We yeah. know we got money there, but we'll nickel and dime stuff. And next thing you know, you're like, ah, okay. If you say to yourself, well, I'm just going to save it, right. that doesn't happen unless you got really, really, really good spending habits. Right. But if you can take the money you were going to spend and say, I've got it in my hand, I'm just going to put it in the jar or I'm going to put it away somewhere. Yeah. And every time I come back by this jar, I've got extra two dollars in change from when I broke a ten dollar bill, or I've got just put it in this box. Yeah, she did that one time. We had about five hundred dollars in this box just because. Boom! Just yeah, dollar here, two dollars there, three dollars there, just putting it in the box. It accumulates. So now I don't know have to do that. I'm sure other banks do it, but uh, Wells Fargo does something interesting. Is every time you use your check card. Or your 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 bid debit card. rounds up. Uh, it it well it won't round up, but it will it will a certain percentage that you can that you can tell it to will go into your savings your way to it's called your way to save savings account. That's just what that's for, and and you can deposit into that anytime you want to to from your checking at at any moment. That's cool. It, meaning oh I, I'm gonna put thirty bucks into that way to save this month. I've you know, got thirty bucks. I can do that because there's no interest. I, I mean there's no penalty for it that. It sounds either. similar to what and I don't know if Century Bank does it, but I know there was another bank that was saying you could set up your savings account that anytime you use your debit card, it would round up to the next whole dollar. So you had perfect dollar amount. So if right. your bill was nine dollars and twenty two cents, it would put seventy eight cents in your savings. That's another great way to, to do it. Yeah. So you think, well, how does that add up? Trust me. It does. It does. Because you don't really see it or think about it. And you check it a year later and you're like, what? Yeah. I've, I've told this to people before. If you want to give yourself a raise, quit smoking. Yeah. They're like, well, it's only like $6 a pack. I'm like, okay, so what, are you a pack a day? They're like, yeah, it's only 6 bucks a day. I'm like, take yeah. $6 times 365. Tell me how much money you've got at the end of the... I'm like, well, wait a minute. I'm like, it's like a little over $1,000. Right. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> We we planned this trip months ago, and she did something very interesting. She 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 bought what was called a, a free meal program package with it. That meant we could eat inside the park every day for free. Just take that meal card. We got one meal a day for free. We got two snacks and two beverages every day, and then uh, all the way through every every day we went to the park. And, and we won't pretty- eat any more than that anyway. And then all we wound up then with the fifty dollar gift card I got from my lovely mother and sister for my birthday and then Stacy got a $50 universal card for Christmas. We spent just a little money on gas coming, going there and back this time. It That's was, awesome. It was, it was the nicest, most least expensive, non-stress trip that we've ever had down Cause there. Because there's nothing worse than going on a vacation that you know you can't afford and then come back and realize we spent way too much. Right. And now I've got bills coming in and I don't know how to pay the bills. And what's better than that is going on a vacation and getting back and going, we could totally afford that the way it was set That's up. the way it, it should fantastic. be. I'm a big fan of if you can't pay cash for it, then you don't do, you don't go buy right. it. And I'm a with, big fan with of few if, exceptions. if you can't afford to do that vacation this year, we're not doing it. Exactly. We're just going to wait, go somewhere else local, mm-hmm. local, you know, but far There's away. There's plenty of things you can do that are called the staycations, right. the weekend getaway. Or your glamping thing. Look, I just, exactly. <laughs> I just did the, 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 if you just said, let's, let's, let's say in one year. Every single day, if between you and your significant other could put $6 in a cookie jar every day, 
the cost six, bucks. The cost of uh, a gourmet coffee. The cost of uh, most of your fast food meals. Yeah, a good sized double cheeseburger. By the end yeah. of the year, you'll have two thousand one hundred and ninety dollars. Just by doing that. Are you suggesting you can't go to Universal Studios for two thousand one hundred ninety dollars? Hey, but don't but don't charge up a credit card that you're going to regret later. Exactly, uh, paying off a huge interest rate and you don't make the minimum pay, payment, and then you're in big trouble. Hey, when do we turn this into Clark Howard? I don't know, but hey, this is money talk <laughs> with BK and Alan. How do you like that? Well, these are life lessons because we've gotten I've gotten bit when I was younger, and one of the things I tell my daughters: if you have to charge something for whatever reason, you know that you want to pay off quickly. Right. Never, 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 never charge food. Never pay for right. your meal unless you know for a fact you've just got one of those, like it's an expense that you're going to be able to get reimbursed by your company. Because I said, if you don't pay it off, that $40 meal is now $44 the next month with interest. And if you don't pay it off, then it's a $48 meal. Then right. it turns into a $60 meal. And by the time you accrue all that interest, it be three times what you paid for. It. What's the staying in shape thing we always say? Move more, eat less. Eat less. How about... Uh, Save more, spend less. That, that works. How, can, same, how do you give yourself a raise? Same philosophy there. Yes. Well, we got all of that. I'll tell you a little bit more, maybe about the trip when we come back. Uh, we've got the whole show to go. Uh, it's BK on the air. Stay tuned. You're in the hands of an adolescent. Fellow classic TV fans, the 249-episode run of The Andy Griffith Show featured many guest stars and at times served as a great launching pad. Some were well-established actors already, but had yet to assume their memorable roles on classic television. But out of the eight seasons, 1962 was special as it gave us a real preview of some soon-to-be classic TV legends. For example, there was Edgar Buchanan from Petticoat Junction playing Aunt Bee's love interest in Episode 9. The skipper, Alan Hale Jr., appeared in the 13th episode titled The Farmer Takes a Wife. In Episode 15, a pre-My Favorite Martian Bill Bixby played a spoiled rich kid in Bailey's Bad Boy. And the very next week, the beautiful Barbara Eden guest starred in The Manicurist, one of my all-time favorites. The grown-up child movie star Jackie Coogan, a.k.a. Uncle Fester, was in episode number five titled Barney on the Rebound. And the following week had yet another big screen star, Buddy Epson, of course, Jed Clampett, and Opie's hobo friend. So whether it was irony or gifted foresight, it seemed that during Andy Griffith's second season, someone in that casting office owned a crystal ball. This is Pat McCormick with your retro TV trivia from the Golden Rage of TV. You can also find me on YouTube and Facebook at Golden Rage of TV and on Twitter at Golden Rage of TV One. And now back to BK on the Air. Thank you, Pat, for taking us into the Golden Rays of TV. I'm a Andy Griffith fan, always have been. Did you know a lot of people don't know uh, that Andy Griffith, you know, he always played a good guy. Andy Griffith show, Salvage One, that TV show he had. He was such no, a good not guy. not always. No, 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 okay. no. Well, I, what, I mean, what I mean is that's what people perceive him mostly okay. as. Okay. But he could play one heck of a bad guy. He played a really uh, bad character in a, in a TV movie 
about a true story from Coweta County, Georgia, down near Noonan, called Murder in Coweta County that they made in the 80s. And Johnny Cash played the sheriff, I think, in the film, but Andy huh. Griffith played the killer. And everybody was like, oh, no, he's playing a killer. But it's fantastic. He played in a movie called Pray for the Wildcats, a 1974 TV movie. It was, it was him, Robert Reed from The Brady Bunch, and uh, <laughs> William Shatner. And there were three businessmen trying to sell things or, or whatever to this guy, and they wanted to impress him on a, on a trip. And it was kind of like Deliverance. They went on a motorcycle ride through the desert. And things started to happen, bad things. Uh, they came upon some hippies, and he didn't like how those hippies acted and stuff like that, his character. Mm-hmm. And I think he accidentally killed one of them, and he wanted to cover up the, the murder. Ooh. And as they all rode back, some of them didn't exactly agree with wanting to cover it up. And so he didn't like that. So just think about what would happen there. But it was Andy Griffith doing so it. So could be bad, yeah. He could be real bad. And I understand that that movie just came out on Blu-ray, the, the, the TV movie. So... There's a couple of other movies that I know for a fact, and I can't come up with the titles, but I know I was like, "Wow, that's Matlock up there." You know, that's uh, <laughs> yeah. and, you know, that's the guy that's all go, oh shucks, and you know, let me tell you about why things are good well, here in right. Mayberry. I'm and, Sheriff Taylor, and, and you're turning into a racist, evil person who's hiding bodies. I'm like, whoa, right? But you know what? As actors, that's the problem. Sometimes we think the actor is who they're playing, and actors want to sometimes stretch their legs right. and try other things. Exactly, like they should, because they're actors. They don't right. want to really be pigeonholed into one a typecast. Into one role. Um, it was like Alan Rickman for the longest time when he got discovered for Die Hard, basically. I mean, that was his first big motion picture. Right. Everybody's like, he's a great villain. Well, guess what? His next four or five movies, he's a villain. Right. He casts every villain and for finally, the finally, he's like, years. you know, I can do other things. I mean, I am Shakespearean trained. Right. We do comedies now and then. And turns out that some of the movies where he's in the, that are lighter, he's very funny. Especially Galaxy Quest. Oh, my God. He's fantastic so in Galaxy Quest. But... Uh, <laughs> There's nothing you could say to make me go back in there. The show must go on. <laughs> Damn you. <laughs> I knew you'd find some way to get your shirt torn off. Yeah, there you go. See, so you got your shirt torn no, off. No, this isn't making fun of Star Trek. No, it's not. <laughs> uh, I want to see. I know that we, we'll go back to you. I, there's a documentary that just came out about Galaxy Quest. It came out in the theaters, oh, I guess, really? a limited release, and now it's available places. But I saw it online a lot. People were talking about the 30th, is it like the 20th anniversary or 25th anniversary of Galaxy Quest? Yeah, that makes me feel old, too. Doesn't that yeah. make you feel old? But yeah. it is, apparently it's sort of like the love letter that Galaxy Quest was to Star Trek. Right. And what it actually was. That, and why that movie still holds up today. That one holds up. And then in, in, in a certain way, I hear that uh, the Orville is kind of a throwback for making The, the Orville was definitely too, for the next so. generation. But was, they only did hilarious. two seasons. Yeah. And I never got into it. I don't know why. I thought I would, I would like it. I'm like, I just never. I watched the first few episodes, and it didn't do much for me. But, hey, that's just people have personal different tastes. Now, talking about your your different tastes in movies and whatnot, I do have a story here about, uh, and we talked, we, we teased this earlier on Alan's show. Uh, guess what? This broke this week. And, th- and I got this story from Variety, so I know it's got some credibility to it. Steven Spielberg. Will mm. now not direct the fifth Indiana Jones film. I think that's the fifth one, right? It, it would be technically the fifth. The fifth. Yeah. Now, 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 hear me out before I before I before I give my opinion here. Let's listen to the story. After a long development process, Steven Spielberg is handing derain, directing reins on Indiana Jones five to another filmmaker for the first time in the franchise's thirty nine year history. Mm. Sources say why a deal hasn't closed. 
Ford versus Ferrari director James Mangold is in direct is in talks to take the job. Now, also he directed James also directed Logan. He also directed Copland. He's a very well. He's oh, directed no, he, T- uh, two, two or three uh, Wolverine movies, I think. He's a good two, director. He's a fantastic filmmaker. Yes. Uh, Wolverine franchise Logan was a blockbuster, grossing $619 million globally and uh, earning Mangold an Oscar nomination for Logan's screenplay, believe right. it or not. Spielberg will remain as a hands-on producer on Indy 5, uh, according to a source close to the filmmaker. The decision to leave the director's chair was entirely Spielberg's and a desire to pass along Indy's whip to a new generation to bring their perspective to the story. Now, Harrison Ford, meanwhile, is still on the project. The actor recently made headlines speaking about the future of the franchise while promoting his latest film, The Call of the Wild. He told CBS News, CBS Sunday morning, that uh, the month that he was going to start doing Indiana Jones in about two months. That was, what, two or three weeks ago that he said that. Mm -hmm. And then later told Hey You Guys website that the project is still facing, quote, scheduling issues and a few script things unquote huh. and that's uh and that we're determined to get it right before we get it made could that have something to do with the last movie i don't know maybe, perhaps maybe again i'll get to that we, we we both have got our definite opinions on that now when disney first announced the new indiana jones film in 2016 with spielberg directing and ford uh, starring the studio originally slated the film to open on july the 19th 2019 then it was pushed back as we remember to A year to July the 10th, 2020, and then delayed again to July 9th, 2021, when Jonathan Kasdan, son of Raiders of the Lost Ark scribe uh, Lawrence Lawrence. Kasdan, we all all, all know, was brought on to take a pass on the script that the original screenwriter David Kep left the project. So there's a little update on the fifth Indiana Jones film, and we've lost... The regular director. I know David Kep is the guy that Spielberg has used many, many times for script polishing, script editing, revise, or a pass-through. Ever since he got involved with rewriting Jurassic Park 2, I'm always a little more dubious about what kind of quality I'm getting out of that. Because I'm like, you came up with the whole... Wouldn't it be funny if the T-Rex was going by, we have five Japanese salesmen on the street going, I'm so surprised that got by. I'm like, what the... And and you let him eat the dog. Yeah, that was terrible. But uh, here, here's my opinion on that, which I'm sure you'll share it with me too. Don't eat the dog. I am. <laughs> yeah, don't make. Don't. We don't want to see dogs in peril. Eat the lawyer. Eat the you, lawyer. You can shoot as many bad guys in Fast and Furious as you want, but, but don't, 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 don't hurt eat the, the dog. dog. And don't kill John Wick's puppy. See, That's something else, man. You know, if that had never happened, John would have retired. He would have. You ever thought about that? I love, I love. If you, I love how we're all over the place. But that's why the John Wick movie was so good. Oh like, yeah, it was great. He but, was ready to just say, "I'm done." Yeah. And but they they killed his dog. You know, and I would have done the same thing. Oh yeah, I'm going. I'm going to go John Wick on you. You come <coughs> after my dog. Yeah. yeah, we we've currently we've currently replaced going postal with going John Wick. That's <laughs> totally fine. We'll and the people that you. worked at USPS are going. Oh, thank goodness. Finally. We don't have to take the brunt of that anymore. No, Indiana Jones and Steven Spielberg. If you don't already know, I was not a big fan of Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Neither were you. No. Uh, But when I heard, a lot of people don't like this news. They're like, oh, no, Spielberg's not going to direct Indiana Jones. That's terrible. What's going to go on? Am I I all wrong and washed up and and, and mistaken and, and off kilter by going, huh? James Mangold might direct the next Indiana Jones with Steven Spielberg behind the scenes producing. I see that as a good thing. Uh, Why do I not have a problem? I have it as a 100% positive thing. (laughs) I think Spielberg realizes the kind of action movie and the kind of strain it's going to be on a... I don't think it's a negative knock on himself necessarily. Right. But 
he still has creative control in the production role. And if you look at the movies where he was only, quote, the producer, and they're still great movies, right. like the Back to the Future franchise, you look at movies like... Uh, um, um, oh my god, it just popped out of my head. Where uh, Poltergeist? Right. Now a lot of people argue he was still directing. Right. He was maybe more hands-on producer. Right. But the producer can really guide the direction of the movie without having to do the grunt twelve-hour, fourteen-hour shooting days. Right. And the movies today require a, sometimes a, a director who can ha- manage that kind of a schedule and direct actors and performances while they're in front of the camera. Now George now, Lucas did it with Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, which was. Wound oh, up as being producer, fan, not yeah, as director. He, didn't, he, he dropped out as director of those yeah. films, which is fantastic. He came back from for the prequels, but we won't get into that. No. But uh, but then I know that he really didn't have anything to do with the, the sequels. Nope. Uh, but, but we say not. Still, yeah. Anyway. But anyway, I, th- I think that, As long good. as he's still somewhat affiliated, I also think Spielberg, there may be that piece of sort of distancing himself because the more you look back at the stories of how Kingdom of the Crystal Skull got made, so much of it was Lucas inserting his will. It's got to be about aliens. Right, exactly. It has to be about this. I, we'll, we'll, I'll cave on anything as long as it's still about aliens. Right. Well, that may be the dumbest thing that happened with that movie. <laughs> exactly, because yeah. everything else had to do with some th- sort of mysticism in religion and, right. and our culture and watching the, our society evolve. Now, all of a sudden, we're going to go with UFOlogy. Right. Yeah, and it, and it didn't tie in like you no. thought it would. By the way, did you also did you get to read the script I sent you? The original. I started to, and it's freaking good. Of Skywalker. That should Trevor. have been the one they made. Yeah, I got some Jurassic World news too as we come back, which has a new title. Speaking there. Hey, we're back. It's BK on the air. Back from vacation. Back from, you know, for a while it takes you, you got to get back into the uh, the groove because you're in a vacation fog. That was like me all this week. You know, yeah. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm like, get back into the to the groove and whatnot. And I think I left part of my voice down at Universal because I'm struggling. Well, you were screaming on the, the rides. I screamed ah! on the rides out of, some out of terror, some out of pure joy. <laughs> It was it was it was so fun. You've never you never been to Universal down in Orlando. Or really what started as joy was turned into terror as you realized you while you screamed you wet your pants. Like, <laughs> ah! I was on a wet ride. <laughs> that was the reason. Honey, quick, we got to go, on, gotta go on. The, we got to go on Thunder River. Quick, 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 Thunder River, Thunder River, right, right. now. And I hate, <laughs> and I hate it when I wear those white shorts and those dark underwear. Oh, you know? I'm like, oh no, that's gonna show up. So uh, we are back into the groove here with BK on there, which means it's time to oh flash. The audience of the nude, the nude, the, nude? the whoa, news, the weird, whoa, whoa, the strange, whoa. Hey, the bizarre. Listen, listen, I know this is I'm radio. I'm in a fog. <laughs> I told you, my brain's in a fog still. <laughs> you know why I said that? Oh, I know because you're flashing, and you must have been doing a different kind of flashing Mike's last week. Mr. Me what all about <laughs> I didn't mean to say nude. <laughs> <clears throat> I object. That's kind of slipped there. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm not letting anything slip like that in front no. of you. No. Not, I'm not, keeping not everything new. buttoned and tied and belted and zipped. Oh my goodness! I have the first news. <laughs> I have the first nude. <laughs> Wait a minute. 
Hey, we were talking about knives. Were we talking about knives out on the air? We were, uh, no, we were off, uh, the air. Uh, off the air. Off the air. Off the air. We were talking about how great knives out was in Ryan Johnson's movie. Uh, I, I have a newsflash here that in, that involves that. Ryan Johnson just gave the game away. If you're watching a mystery movie set in modern times and you're trying to find out who the villain is, there's a surefire way to solve the case. Pay attention to the phones people are using. According to Knives Out director Ryan Johnson, mm-hmm. Apple has has a rule that forbids filmmakers from letting the bad guys in the movies use iPhones. Really? You can't have the iPhone at least identify right. as the phone you're so, on. Uh, and all of us that are phone savvy, if someone's using a phone in a movie, we can tell what platform it is simply by looking at the screen usually. So, uh, you know, a spoiler alert for every single modern-day mystery going forward. You can probably solve it if you can check out that detail. Johnson decides to let the cat out of the bag and reveal the truth about iPhones and movies. He adds that every single filmmaker who has a bad guy in their movie wants to murder him for giving away the secret. <laughs> How come? Where's all the hate for Ryan Johnson coming from, man? I don't know why this is going on. Now, from a business perspective, it makes sense. Apple doesn't want a serial killer running around chatting on one of their products. This leads to another question, though. Which companies are okay with this? Does Samsung not have a problem with a psychopath pulling out his or her Galaxy S10 Plus phone to check the time? Also, what criteria does Apple take into consideration to classify someone as a bad guy? Can someone commit a petty crime, still use an iPhone, or is there a moral gray area? Interesting. Anyway, next time you're watching a mystery movie like Knives Out 2, perhaps, pay, pay close attention to the phones the characters are using. If you spot someone with a phone that isn't an iPhone, they're probably guilty. Unless the director knows you know this and has intentionally given away all the giving all the characters non iPhones to throw you off. Well, what a twist! I'm, I would expect that from Ryan Johnson in the next I mm-hmm. Knives Out movie. That is interesting, but it also is sort of an, a wild comparison or, or comment on Apple. It's like, yeah. do you really That's think kind of a cheesy, people goofy assume thing. that just because you have an iPhone, you're going to be a psychopath? I mean, right. do you re- are you really worried about sales that someone's going to go walk into their cell provider and say, I was going to buy the Apple phone, but now Why? that I saw that movie, I'd rather buy the Samsung. What must they What must they think of us, yes. the public? They must think we're dope. We must be. So they you know should what, call though, the sequel right. Nye uh, iPhones Out. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what the next movie should be called. All right. Well, we'll talk more about Knives Out later, I think. But for now, I've got the next news. This is from UPI. A resident of the English Channel Island, Jersey, said the... Jer- Wait a minute. The resident of the English Channel Island, Jersey... Wow, I didn't know there was an island called Jersey. In Said the Maybe author of an 82-year-old message in a bottle has been identified, and the note will be passed along to the man's daughter. Nigel Hill found the message in a bottle on the beach earlier in February and started teaching, started searching for the family of the note's author, John Stapleford, who dated the note September 1938 and included an England address where the current residents did not have contact information for the previous residents. The note was originally thought to have been written by John Jack Stapleford, who was born in 1890 and lived all the way to 1980. A 90-year life, not bad. But Hill said he has since heard from a woman who identified the author of the note as her father, Jack Stapleford's son, who was also John Stapleford Jr. He died in 1994. He would have been 14 years old at the time that the note was authored. The daughter has identified was identified by a genealogist. Hill said he is sending the bottle and its contents to Stapleford's daughter. How cool is that? Uh, See, I love in, it. Back in time. <clears throat> I love it when I hear stories like that. I'm still, next time on my cruise, I keep forgetting to do it, but when I take a cruise, I'm going to throw a message in the bottle overboard. Make sure the cameras don't catch I know. i, I got to be careful. I know you can't do that, but I'm saying right now, if you can't see me doing it, you can't prove it. Where's mm-hmm. the footage? But I want to try to do that just to see if somebody might find that thing. 
my look is I throw it overboard. It gets in the water. One of the carnival crew guys just sees the bottle go over but can't see me throw it. But he sticks the net out and scoops it up because I'm going to put my info in it because I want to know someone right. to find it to contact me. He just finds me on the ship and I get thrown off. Says, uh, sir, we, we need to talk to you about our policy about throwing yeah. objects off the ship. What is your policy? And they show me this giant humanized <laughs> bottle, human-sized <laughs> bottle. They put me in it. It's just going to be, have to sir, be a big bottle. can we get bottle. you to crawl in here for just a quick second? Giant cork on the bo- top. <laughs> over the side I go. <clears throat> well, that's funny. I got the next news. An Australian <clears throat> moviegoer was awarded a Guinness World Record after going to see 2018's film Bohemian Rhapsody 108 times. In a row? And I, <laughs> Joanna Connor said she submitted her ticket stubs for, for 108 screenings of the Queen biopic to Guinness and was awarded a certificate for having seen the movie the most times in theaters. Connor made, first made headlines in 2019 when she said that she had seen the film 65 times and was still frequently going to the theater. Connor said that she was the uh, she was only a casual Queen fan before seeing the film, but she now considers herself a super fan. She attended a concert this month in Brisbane. The, uh, the word of her accomplishment reached Queen band members Brian May and Roger Taylor, who invited her backstage. Okay, so there's How a... super cool would that be? All right, we need to pick somebody like that right now. Let's go ahead and do it. Let's find it. Let's, let's make that the next the next biopic about a band. Let's it has to this. be somebody we like, though. I don't care. If I, I can invite it backstage. Be a Mariah Carey backstage biopic. It could be a good movie. You could do that one. That's fine. I'll I may have to wear earplugs during the singing <laughs> parts, but... That's great. I mean, it's only 109 times. Right, I've, I've right. seen... Some of my favorite movies, easily that many times. Just and we, not should, in the we should be awarded that for such big Star Wars or Star Trek fans that we are. We should be invited. I mean, maybe to, we could uh, partner with a local theater as sort of a radio yeah. advertising stunt and say, "Look, just charge us a buck so that way we have our ticket stub, and we'll just go to like every showing like five times in a row yeah. every day for like three months. We'll beat this." Record. Even our buddy Walt into Darkness was in a Star Trek movie. We've never been in one. No. Jeez, we could do that. I feel kind of sad. But we, we need to find a way to make it happen. All right. Guess what? I've got the next news. Flash. A British scrap car recycling website is accepting applications for an unusual dream job, getting paid more than $600 to watch all 24 James Bond movies. It should just send you the check now because you just got done. I, I already ago, did that when you? I got my uh, my uh, <clears throat> yeah. DVD collection, my Blu-ray. Excuse me. And when, when you and when you see No Time to Die, you'll be ready to do it. You'll be ready, all caught up. We're, in fact, we're redoing the Daniel Craig movies right now to make sure we're all caught up in time for No Time to Take Die. Take some Dramamine before you watch uh, Quantum of Solace. Uh, yeah, we already got through it. Okay. Uh, Car Take Back UK said it is accepting applications on its website for the license to watch job, which entails watching one James Bond movie every night for 24 consecutive nights. The winning applicant will receive all 24 films for free and will be required to watch one each night for two weeks and record their thoughts on the movies. The website said the winning applicant will also be required to fulfill a top secret assignment that won't be revealed until the person is selected. The application includes questions about choosing a favorite Bond film and sharing opinions on subjects including who should be the next actor to take on the role. You and I could do that now. You know, if you you wouldn't even have to pay us. What you need to do is if we could just do it. Just fly me over there. Fly me over there or just buy me a ticket for me and 20 of my friends to go see it for free when it, the new film comes out. Something like that. That would be fun. But I want to go to the U.S. Okay. Yeah, that'd be fun to see it there. And maybe one other thing. Maybe one little proviso. You get me into the local brew pub and I get to get drinks how, for free. How fun would that be for us to see a Bond movie in London? In the UK? Oh. That would be. Anyway, any, anywhere. BK on the air.
Oh hey, we're back. ZK on the air. We're trying to find out where we are here since I'm back from vacation. I got it. It's like a bookmark in a book. If the bookmark falls out, I'm like, where did I stop? Where was I? And I get to get back where I was. Uh, so I'm glad to be back anyway. So uh, we got a, another news. Got a couple more. Here, a couple more, yeah. Oh. A group of New York State students craving Chick-fil-A concocted a scheme that involved buying an airline ticket without boarding a plane. Huh? Vincent Petrino, a senior at Restlesser Polytechnic Institute in Troy, said that he uh, he and his cross-country track and field teammates had a week off from competitions and decided they wanted to buy some Chick-fil-A for a team lunch. The group discovered the nearest Chick-fil-A was an hour and a half away from the school, but they then discovered that fast food eatery had a location inside the Albany International Airport. The team members each chipped in about $5.50, $5.50 to buy Petrino a $98 one-way airline ticket to Fort Lauderdale, Florida, which was the cheapest ticket they could find that departs from Albany. They, he used the ticket to go through airport security and get into the Chick-fil-A, where he ordered $227.28 worth of food, including 15 sandwiches, 15 large waffle fries, 13 orders of 12-piece nuggets, and a bag of cookies and a lemonade. He left the airport and served lunch to his teammates. Now that's that's some that's some product um, loyalty there, right? That's for sure. And not necessarily that I would do that. I don't know if there's any food that that's that, that's good going that far. I mean, if I hadn't had it in several years and I just was really homesick for it, maybe as a one-time thing. But so they basically bought a hundred-dollar ticket so he could get through security, right? Just to get to the airport, <laughs> never leave the airport, and fly right back. I guess not fly back. He drove there. Or Apparently, he, dro- he drove he to Albany. Yeah, he said because they had one only in Albany Airport. The closest one was oh, okay. as in the food court, so he had to get through security to go to their food court oh, and okay. then walk back out of the airport, leaving an empty seat on the plane. <sighs> That's Someone, well, but are we waiting for? Well, he's not at the gate. Oh well, <laughs> who cares? We'll leave without him. We got his money. Now, we'll, you know, here's a great plot for a story. The plane then crashes. Oh yeah, but the name's on the manifest because nobody thought to check it yeah. off because he didn't show up. So now he, everybody thinks and he's he dead. Can he can run live around. Large. He could run around and live as another guy. He could be a secret agent. I've seen that plot somewhere. <laughs> All right. Well, for me, this is going to be the, my last news. Well, you could write that movie too because you know nothing's original anymore. Right, we'll just take pieces, parts and pieces from everything else. Uh, Deborah Falcioni of uh, Pennsylvania said her 16-year-old dog, Portia, who is deaf and blind, was snatched of the home's upper from the upper home's back deck Thursday by a hawk. No, well, I way, thought it was a burglar or a dog. We have napper. two little tiny dogs, and there is a falcon that circles and, and cries and out. And he eyes I, them hungrily. I keep telling the girls, like, don't let the little dogs out if you're not out there with them, because you have no idea, but this is true. Falcioni said she gathered a group of friends and searched the area long into the night, but there was no sign of the toy poodle or the bird of prey who grabbed her. Falcioni said she was shocked to receive a call the next afternoon from Banfield Pet Hospital saying they had her dog. The animal hospital said Portia had been found by a neighbor about four blocks from her home. The dog was cold and lethargic, but didn't have any broken bones. An eight-pound uh, Bichon Freeze named Zoe survived a similar ordeal in uh, January of 2018. In, Mon- uh, in 2018, Monica Newhart said Zoe was grabbed out of her Pennsylvania yard by a swooping eagle. The dog was found on a road about four miles from Newhart's home by a woman who took Zoe home wow. and later spotted the Facebook post about the incident. Zoe was not seriously injured and was returned home a day after being carried away. I hear some of them 
release them because they find out they're maybe a little bit too heavy for them to do anything with. <laughs> Stop but still, still a drop from 25 feet is going to maybe break a bone or something. Yeah, Unfortunately, this still. dog did have that problem. I mean, four miles away, that bird was 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 moving. <laughs> now, now they'll discipline the dog by going, uh, no, no, <laughs> Portia, we're going to buy a parrot. If you do that, we're going to bring a bird into the house. Do that again. We're bringing Hawk back out. <laughs> no. I got the last news from UPI. An Illinois family said a wall in their nine-year-old daughter's bedroom has been picking up radio signals for years, and no one knows why. Richard Smith said voices and music were repeatedly heard inside the wall of daughter Brianna's room at their Lockport home, and the family eventually determined something inside the wall was picking up a local (laughs) AM radio station. The station... Uh, Christian Radio AM 1160, owned by the Salem Media, Media Group, sent an engineer out to investigate. That was nice of them, mm-hmm. but was unable to identify the issue. He said the wall was op- uh, opened up and the electrical grounding was examined, but the family was still unable to figure out where the radio signals were being, how they were being picked up. Household objects have been known to pick up radio signals in the past. A man reported in 2018 that radio signals were being picked up by the metal components in a household fan while the power was off. Wow. I've heard that before. I've heard there were stories in the 60s and the 70s of people's fillings in their teeth picking up AM See, radio signals. I which, don't buy that one, but I've heard it because it was a Gilligan's Island it wasn't, <laughs> but, I, but I heard that it was a story on Gilligan's Island because of a report of back then of it happening. So you can look at it any way you want. I've never had something weird pick up radio signals. No. I have, on the flip side, transmitted weird radio signals from this radio station. <laughs> so I will well, say and that. And that should account for something. <clears throat> I want to add this. Since we ended with that story, I wanted to hit on this since we've got a few extra minutes before the top of the hour. Uh, I've currently been fascinated. As a kid, I don't know if you had one, but as, as a really young kid, about one first or second grade in the early 70s, I had a little Panasonic AM transistor radio. That's what you had back in the old days, little pocket one. And they called them pocket transistors because they could fit in your shirt pocket office managers and and businessmen used them back in the 60s and with an earpiece right even back then to listen to radio or stock reports or whatever they needed to listen to or songs to help drown out the office and stuff uh, watch mad men you'll see it um but uh, i i was i loved them and i'm like wow i'd love to i'd love to find the one that i had or the model that i had when i was a kid and i did off ebay and, and ebay's I, your and friend I, and i bought it yeah a little panasonic little black panasonic and uh, they are. It's AM. It's mono. It's, it's <laughs> but once you tune in on a strong station, it comes in pretty good. And it, and here's what here's what I used to do as a kid when I would go on uh, trips to my grandparents. Uh, they lived on the mountain of a Lookout Mountain over in Alabama, which was a pretty elevated mountain over there, high up. And I would go out at night and just sit down on the rock. And I they didn't have a, a light a lit a lit dial where you mm-hmm. could see what station you were on. I'd use a flashlight to even look at my dial. And I tried to dial in um, radio stations, and I would write down where they were from. I'm yep. like, I'm hearing one from Washington, D.C. I'm hearing one from uh, Canada. I'm hearing they were from everywhere because at night the AM signal would skip mm-hmm. like you wouldn't believe. So uh, I can weigh in on this, but I don't know if the caller yeah, I think they. I think they I, I did very uh, something very similar when I was a kid. Oops, hold on. They're coming back. Hey, it's BK on the air. Who's this? Hello? 
Oh, I guess they didn't come out. Oh, they hung up. Okay. Um, I used to do the same thing, but what would bug me is I would get a signal in, and after about five or ten minutes, sometimes either cloud cover or the shifting right. of the earth, and it would start to fizzle and fade out, and then it would be gone. Or, or that, as they would say on Star Trek, it was an atmospheric anomaly. It was an anomaly. That, but I would pick up in. things, like you said, skipping around on the AM. I, w- I, w- oh, I remember one time I was listening, and I was picking up a movie review Oh, it was. Fi- I'll never forget this. We were on vacation. It was actually being picked up in my car. The AM was picking up a weird signal because I just said seek. We were in a different city. And it was picking up a station in Chicago discussing Fifty Shades of Grey. Wow. I was so like, wait was, a minute. That was fairly recent. That's crazy. Yeah. 770-386-1450 is our number. It's BK on the air. Someone's on the line now. Who is this? Hey, it's Mark. Hey, Mark. Just, How you uh, doing? I am doing fine. Just to let you know that anything that will create a diode... Uh, and there's something that will vibrate to reflect the sound to create a radio. Remember, we and you're not old enough, but we used to make radios with a razor blade, a, a piece of pencil lead, and a piece of wire. Uh, there's all kinds of things that create a diode. And once you create a diode and have something that vibrates, you can pick up radio stations. Well, it sounds you know, like you know a little bit about it. Uh, would getting uh, punched in the mouth and your fillings getting loose in your teeth, would that do it? Well, if you had metallic films and you create a diode, I guess it could. I, or, or if you're uh, stuck on an I island really, with six I other people. Say, I, I can't say that that would be a, a fact, but it could be, I guess, because there's so many different things you can create a diode. And, of course, a diode is just an electronic device that allows current to flow one way. Right. And I heard, so, and I heard back in the day that they wanted to put m- the more transistors they put in the radios, the the better they would be, the more powerful they would be. And I heard, I read that uh, some of them say we've got it's twelve, it's a transistor twelve, it's a transistor thirteen, a transistor well, seven. Nothing, nothing helped past six, right? Yeah, well, a transistor just replaces the triode vacuum tube, and and that that gives you amplification. So yes, the more you put in, the more power you get. Well, I tell you, I never know. I never knew that I'd be transmitting on that AM signal. Of course, a lot of others were transmitting on a lot of other platforms, but I am transmitting on that AM signal that I used to listen to back in the early seventies. It's really a big kick. It is. Well, thanks right. for calling, that's buddy. That's I appreciate great. it. Thank thanks, you very Bart. much. Thanks for your info. Yeah, that's and awesome. It, yeah, Bart. Actually, awesome. I know him. He actually had a job in radio at one point in time, doing some stuff with, Good. involved with the service. So, thanks for your service as well. And now has gotten to the point where he is a part of a personal protection detail for Congressman Barry Loudermilk. Awesome. That's who's listening to these well, kind of programs. Okay, well, Notice I feel a little better. waking up to Alan. I feel a little he's, better. He's listening to uh, BK on the Well, air. your mom's listening, too, so uh, we think. Yeah, she I'm is. pretty sure. Um, but I, I went on and started searching and, and researching all these little pocket radios, and there are so many... There were, there were just thousands and thousands of them made, and they all were so Art Deco beautiful uh, yeah. uh, design. And I de- I've devoted an entire album to it on BK on the Air's Facebook page. You can go check it out. I think they're fascinating. I really got back into them. I can't afford to put, you know, $1,000 into a collection or anything, but I did, did find the one that I, uh, that I had. There is a part of me, because we are in radio, and I'm only going to say this because our station engineer right. has made a hobby of going on eBay looking for at least decent pieces that he can reconstruct or maybe find tubes for. Sure. And he's building like these radios from the 30s. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's amazing. And I wouldn't mind having a piece of furniture that's an actual antique from the 30s that you could still pull in AM. That would be that, kind of That's fascinating. And I actually picked up one of one, one a bit on this week of one that was manufactured and sold the year I was born. I just wanted that one. Well, that's kind of a nostalgic an thing. So, yeah, <laughs> we mean almost. <laughs> hey, I just had a birthday this month. It's the 29th. It's still February. Speaking on there, stay tuned. We'll be back. 
I can't believe I ate that whole thing. You ate it, Ralph. I can't believe I ate that whole thing. No, Ralph, I ate it. I can't believe I ate that whole thing. Take two Alka-Seltzer. Stand by to receive our transmission. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Dead or alive, you are coming with me. The Force will be with you. Always. As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. To all on the Starlight Beacon, it's time for Star Wars Daily Weekend Edition, brought to you by something new in the old, something luminous, and ChannelStarWars.com. Star Wars news for Star Wars fans by Star Wars fans. More interesting than a herd of punk rock space Vikings. I'm your host, Mike Mann. Luminous being so not this crude matter. Kicking things off this week, the High Republic and Project Luminous. Yes, fans, we finally have some details about this next step in the Disney Star Wars universe. Set roughly 200 years before the events in A New Hope, this story is set to have the Jedi Knights of the Round Table while fighting the all-new enemy, the Evil Nile, a group of what's been described as punk rock space Vikings. The most unique factor is that Project Luminous will exclusively be in print, including novels and comics, and will consist of standalone stories that all tie in and make the full story. Project Luminous and the High Republic will be released on August 20th, 2020, just in time for Celebration Anaheim. Next, a small mention here. Bob Iger officially stepped down as CEO of the Walt Disney Company after 15 years. Iger is credited with turning Disney around to become the media giant. He will stay on until 2021. Bob Chappick, who has been with Disney since 2009, will step up in the role. Happy trails to you. Another mention, Pilgrim. The Obi-Wan Kenobi series working title was announced and it is, yes, Pilgrim. The official title has yet to be announced. The script is currently going through rewrites, but it's good to know that the project is still a go. Hello there. And finally, The Clone Wars, A Distant Echo. This week, we see the crew travel to Skako Minor in search of the fallen clone trooper, Echo. After fighting their way through Wat Tambor's techno-union droids, what they discover is absolutely shocking. Star Wars The Clone Wars Season 7 Episode 2 is now available on Disney+. Plus. Hey, everybody! It's me, Mickey Mouse! That's all the time we have this week. Make sure you check us out and tune in for all the latest and greatest in Star Wars. For ChannelStarWars.com, I'm Mike Man reminding you... Size matters not. Look at me. Judge me by my size, do you? Hmm? And now, back to BK on the air. Welcome back from Universal Studios. Thank you, Mike Mann, for that Channel Star Wars report heard every Saturday here on BK on the Air. I'll tell you somewhere else you can hear 
BK on the air now is not only, if you missed the show, you can hear me on SoundCloud, but now you can also download another app and become familiar with Anchor FM. It's another uh, app like SoundCloud, but a little different. And you can hear me there if you missed the show. I put it up and have partnered with Anchor, which if you open uh, me on that app, it, you can either hear me in the app on their player or it will take you to Spotify where you can hear BK on the air if you miss it. So two different ways to hear the show. Oh, if you can't get enough of me when I'm on the air and you just got to hear more or you missed it, which I understand that's you could do that. A lot of <laughs> I get a lot of feedback from people who it's the time's not convenient. And, you know, you get the option of listening on Monday or Tuesday or somewhere in the next week. But on the flip side, I've heard other people say, you know what, I had to skip out on a piece, so I went right. back and re-listened. Anchor is another fantastic way to do it. I just want to give someone else an option out there of either using SoundCloud or Anchor, and they're, and they're, it's a great platform. Uh, more movie news. I got some James Bond news here uh, that came out here the past couple of weeks, a couple of stories, and, and one on the newsflash, I think, that we'll tie into. Um, no Time to Die, the new Bond film that will be coming out, and Daniel Craig's last, if we're led to believe what we hear, could be the longest-running Bond movie ever. Now, are you ready for it? Well, you better get ready because it looks like it's going to clock in at almost three hours long. Okay. And I'm sure theater owners love that. Actually, they hate it because they like to get as many movies in and out as they possibly can. I wonder how they felt about when Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet came out. It's only released in certain theaters. Uh, now, the latest and greatest, look like greatest, I don't know, and almost greatest, but we don't know yet. Entry into Daniel Craig's 10 years old 007 has been reported by multiple sources at 163 minutes long. Now, that will officially make it the longest Bond movie of all time. Uh, Although all the Craig films, save for Quantum of Solace, have had hefty run times. Well, that may, that may have been something else Quantum of Solace suffered from. Just too quick of a, a run time, not enough content, and too much editing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's just something wrong with that one. Two different theater chains, Regal and uh, Pathé Dever- Netherlands, are both listing uh, No Time to Die as, as that running time, which, if true, makes it the longest one it's worth noting now that theater chains get this sort of thing wrong from time to time but most of them are reporting that because they get the running times ahead of time sometimes from the uh, from the motion picture companies but i have some running times of other of older bond films that are fairly long let's go through a list of them here on her majesty's secret service was 142 minutes i always remember that one and that was really way long. too long a movie uh now that's i won't agree with that i love that one uh, I, never never say never again was 134 minutes <laughs> Hey, what's wrong with an Australian model playing James Bond? The story was fantastic. Kojak Um, was great. Yeah, it's Blofeld. Casino Royale was 144 minutes. Skyfall was 143 minutes. And Spectre was 148 minutes. So most of the Daniel Craig ones are really long except for Quantum of Solace. I think the longest-running Roger Moore movie... Well, Roger Moore was film it Moonraker? Was Moonraker, if I'm looking at it right. No, no, it wasn't. It was Diamonds. A View to a Kill. A View oh, to really? a Kill was 131 minutes. Moonraker oh. was 126. Ah, you know the what's funny is maybe because Diamond Moonraker went so many places, I just, it, feel, it feels like that would have been the longer Didn't, movie. D- d- sometimes don't the Bond films feel like a travel log vacation package video? Because yeah. wouldn't you? I would love to work on a movie crew anyway to be part of the production crew or just anything to do with it. But if you're working on a James Bond film, you're probably going to get to go to a lot of places, considering if you're on the scene technical crew. 
and whatnot. And they go out, the, uh, the Broccoli's and Michael Wilson, they used to, the production team would always go out a year or two ahead of time and just scout. Their whole job was to scout locations. Right. What they had to do means they had to go to these exotic locations, experience the place, eat there, yeah. hang out, check it out, and come back and report on it. What this a week job. we're in Monaco, next week yeah. the Swiss Alps, then we're going to head down to the Caribbean, you're going to check gonna out be- some... Uh, uh, Turks and Caicos, we understand, is a great place to die. Right. We're going to be in Paris next week, you know, just to make sure we have that film. Well, that, would always, that, that to me, has <coughs> always been the staple of Bond. You've, oh, yeah. You know, it's almost to where the first Roger Moore, I almost feel, is too compressed. It's all kind of either in the city of New Orleans or right. in the swampy area. It's very little travel. You've right. got, it's all in the bayou. Great. Maybe you haven't seen that before in a film, but right. as far as any of the James Bond, that seems to be the most localized of all the James Bond movies. Well, you know, Live and Let Die is a great, uh, got a great theme, and it was a, it was a pretty good introduction for for Roger Moore's James Bond. But it's not one of my favorite films by him. No, it's not. I don't hate it. When I when I went back on my marathon, it's good, but not not nearly. Although the uh, uh, what's his name uh, to play uh, Mr. Big Katanga, um, yeah, Yafik um, Koto. Uh, yeah, Yafik yeah, Koto did a great from job. Alien, yeah. Did a did a great job playing a Bond villain, and I love and I love the corkscrew jump over the busted bridge. That's one of the best Bond stunts that they got right in the first take. Believe mm-hmm. it or they not, they had to, which because they didn't want him to. And he said, "Hey, I can do it again," because he was so pumped up to do it, and the stuntman wanted to do it again. He's like, mm-hmm. uh, "Cubby Broccoli said, no, we're not going to do that we got again. It. We don't need it.' So, more you have my Chef territory, J.W. Pepper, J.W. Pepper." So now you have to ask: Does a Bond movie need one hundred and sixty-three minutes when it comes to run times? Sometimes you defer to the wisdom of Roger Ebert, who says, no good movie is too long and no bad movie is short enough. Right. Well, I do believe in that. If that's you made a, a good film, that's what you got. If No Time to Die has the greatest pacing and lots of forward momentum, the runtime will breeze on by. If it's dull, well, we might be in for a bit of a slog, long movie. But let's stay positive and also maybe skip the large soda. Yeah, skip the, skip the large soda. <laughs> So let's all remind ourselves: no time to pee. I mean, no time, no time to die. We'll open April tenth. No time to pee. <laughs> we'll open on April tenth this year, the new James Bond movie. Careful Daniel going Craig's to the movie Lester. tavern. We get we like to get our beers there. Those tend yes. to come out faster. That's right, because you'll you'll you may you may uh, consume more. We're planning there, to see so. that in the theater. We've been watching the Daniel Craig versions with our friends who are oh, big you've Bond got to. fans. Yeah, come on. So we're planning to do the double date night. But anyway, good. Well, we got that, and I've got another James Bond movie when we come back uh, after this break that's coming up, and I've also got a great uh, little twist to our uh, This Day in History, too, uh, before the uh, for the show ends today. It's BK on the Air. We're going to take a break now. It's BK on the Air. We'll be back with more. You know, I kind of liked when you were uh, last week when you filled in for me. I kind of liked how you're trying to sing these lyrics and trying yeah. to say what they're saying. There is a, there is, a, I keep saying I'm going to do this, but I keep forgetting. On YouTube, there is a, there's a verbal, hooked on phonics, I guess, translation of what he's saying here in this song. I mean, they spell out exactly what he's saying in some of his gibberish, and it's hilarious. And I'll, I'll play it one day and read those along with it. And hopefully, everyone will laugh. That's my, uh, that's always my final. <laughs> They're goal laughing no matter what. Is to make them laugh. So, oh yeah, they're laughing at me now because I'm forgetting to push buttons here on the radio station because I'm still in vacation funk. My mind is still down at the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, and uh, it will stay there for a long time. 
I actually know, have another James Bond story here. I was going to say, we could We're do an entire episode Bond. on James Bond. <coughs> we could. two hours and not scratch everything we want to talk about. And you know, I bet we will kind of do one. I, I, I like do. to do big things like that before, like the Friday or, or the Saturday after the movies come out. So, you know, they'll open No Time to Die even on our, or either, uh, either on a Thursday night or a Friday. Because they like to cash in on an opening weekend. And they like the... The goofballs that try to get in there on midnight on Thursdays to see it. Sometimes me. That that used to be me sometimes. I'm not so into – I still do some of them, but there used to be a day where I had to see everything on opening day. Everything. Mm-hmm. Especially in the 80s. Yeah. If it opened, I'm going with friends. Star Trek movies, oh, yeah. Star Wars movies, Indiana Jones movies. And um, But now I try to do it now because we need to talk about them on the air. But now if it's something that I can wait on, I don't have to. I can go back. I can go on a quiet Sunday. And see some of these I, uh, The wife and I have decided that if we're going to see something on opening day, which for, we, we go to the movies very little, we, that's established. Right. We go during the workday. We've got the right. option with our schedules. We can say we're going to go at two in the afternoon on a Friday when people are still at work, still in school. Right, makes it a lot easier. Now it's different in the summer, <laughs> but in yep. in the work in the in the regular school year, it has made it easier to be able to see something in the theater. If we want to see it the first time, that's how we saw The Rise of Skywalker on opening day, is we went Fantastic. down to the, the movie tavern. We'll probably do, I don't know what we're going to do with James Bond, because the other couple, I don't know if they can go during the day. We're going to, we're going to work on that. We're going to try to convince them that that's the better well, way to go. <clears throat> my offer is still open. When you guys decide to go to Universal, I'll, I'll offer our station. Uh, a I'll guided offer, tour? We'll offer ourselves as, as companions to go down there. We can stay in. That means a whole different thing in hey, the Firefly universe. listen, you can't. <laughs> I'm not familiar with that. <laughs> we could all. We, we're obviously going to. We've got to stay. We can't get a, a, a room with two beds because if we do that, our wives snore so much that you and I wouldn't get any it sleep. It might be so awkward. That'd be the problem. But we got to get. But it's it's doable. You know, with mm-hmm. with two different rooms in the same resort, uh, it would be great. We'll all, we'll offer ourselves to go down there with you guys and just uh, just kind of get you started. And we're like, and, and and I only say that because I love to go down there. And I am pretty much, I'm, I know Universal like the back of my well, hand Well, if you've now, gone so. three times now and it's, you're willing yeah. to go back, oh, that, yeah. that says something to its re- It's re- really abil- fun. Rewatchability? It's really fun. Revisitability? What's the word? Uh, just re- keep going. <laughs> I could say that. I, I can, you, you can use revisibil- revisiting, revisiting, I guess, or revisitation. Right, so back to Bond. <clears throat> the other Bond story I have is from Ken, uh, Kevin Berwick. I think this was from uh, Fox News. Did Daniel Craig reject Billy? Is it Elish? Elish. Billy Elish's first James Bond theme song for No Time to Die. Now, we would. Uh, the, the article says, did, uh, did Daniel Craig veto a previous version of, B, of Billy Elish's No Time to Die theme? Or is it Eilish? I don't know. Maybe it's Eilish. But either way, you gotta say it like this. The pop star seems to insinuate that the James Bond actor has a pretty big say when it comes to the franchise's music. In a new interview. Getting to do a Bond theme is an honor that not many artists have have achieved over the years, which makes it even more special and desirable. Billy Ellish and her brother, co-producer Phineas O'Connell, knew right away that they wanted to be a part of the upcoming movie in any way that they could. In a new interview, Billy uh, Ellish and Phineas O'Connell, her brother, detail how the process went. O'Connell says, quote, well, this is the first song I know Daniel's opinion of, of ours to which Ellis concurs. That's true. O'Connell then stated that Daniel Craig had to like the song, to which Ellis says now as if he didn't like it before. O'Connell concluded by saying, if Daniel doesn't like it, you don't get the job, unquote. It seems that Craig may have passed, he may have passed on either uh, a different James Bond theme song they pitched or a different version of it. Don't tell me 
it, there was a worse one than the one that finally oh. decided on. I mean, come but on. Did you hear you that in the UK, oh, it is the single most downloaded and requested song right I now? I know. And I'm like, really? You got to be kidding me. I, 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 weep for the, I weep for the youth. I, do, I don't know what to say. <laughs> and, I've, and I've said, I've quoted, and I may do this when, when the title sequence comes up. I may go to the, I may use that for a bathroom break. That'd at, be a perfect at the beginning time. of the movie. Because it's going to be a long one. And we know that the, we know the credit sequence comes in on Bond a little into the movie, so it's kind of like you get the you get the precursor his adventure, what's going on, then we go into the title sequence. The only thing I'll hate about that is I'll miss the title sequence because the title sequences are usually visually They're stunning. Cool. Maybe I'll just do earplugs for it because I've already heard the song. I don't need to see. I don't need to hear it again. I'm gonna just battle through it and just, just realize it. it's the worst that's, that's James Bond theme ever. Yeah. I mean, I it really a, is in my mind. It's the worst James Bond theme ever. You may have a there are stinkers attack. out there. There's older ones. You may not like that style of music, but in terms of a James Bond theme, and we talked about it when we played the song a couple weeks ago. Right. It's not a James Bond theme. It really kind of it doesn't have that feel. No. To me, and and like I say, I haven't liked other Bond songs, but this one is just. It's just I don't know. It doesn't not. It doesn't even grab me as a song taken away from the Bond film and just played as a pop song. Right. Well, maybe it does because I don't like many pop songs anymore. <laughs> now, okay. when asked how long it took to write the song, Phineas O'Connell pauses for a moment and says it took three days. With this current arrangement, it also leads one to believe that he and Billy Eilish, um, Eilish, or how Eilish. Say, I think it's uh, Eilish. received some notes. Billy Eilish, Billy Eilish. How hey, do you say hey, that? I just want you to know I like <laughs> James Bond. He and her sister received some notes about either Dan- from either Daniel Craig or the studio or both. So maybe maybe that is true that Craig has some pull when it comes to certain things. I heard or hear her. I heard he got pretty hands on. When he got into it, but uh, not much longer because he's not going to be around anymore after this movie. Should be the end, but the one thing we did talk about is Barbara Broccoli said that James Bond will be a man. Well, that's he is a man, so I agree with that. I think that that should not be changed. I mean, if you have a character that in in literature that's written as a male, don't change his gender just because someone doesn't like it. Why can't you, King you go be a and queen? write write your? <laughs> You go off and write your own story of a fantastic female super spy, become successful with it, and then have it filmed as a as a film series. Do it the way they did. Mm-hmm. Do it. Do it on your own. Uh, that's the same way when I said when they wanted to. You know, I I didn't catch much much flack by this because a lot of people agreed with me. They did a story once where they made Captain America black, mm-hmm. and I can't remember what the story was, but I read it, and I'm like, well, he's he wasn't he wasn't. Right, <laughs> says, if you, but, but he wasn't. But if you want to try to reinvent him as this, I don't think it's going to work because that's just something that some things you can't really mess with. And now to show that uh, I was probably right is I find that one shot story of that uh, about Captain America in the uh, twenty five cent fifty cent bin of comic books now because it mm-hmm. didn't sell. Right. So you have to be careful when you do stuff like that. Now the difference with what the movies are doing is if you're handing the shield over and it's not the Captain America, right. it's now somebody who's going to be taking the mantle on. Right. That's different. That is different. And, and I'll say that all along. And uh <clears throat> Sam Wilson as the Falcon, if he's if he shows up in our next Marvel franchise phase 4 or 5, whatever we've got coming up as Captain America, I'm totally fine with that cuz he did do that in the comic book. It was kind of awkward when he you had to get used to him flying throwing the shield too mm-hmm. and it coming back to him when he's flying i don't know how maybe he's got a, a, a jeep a, a return <laughs> chip in it that makes it come back to where he is steve rogers would just throw it and he would know where it would bounce and come back to him that was his just power to know how to do that so well not in the movies in the movies it's magic oh <laughs> uh, yeah 
except in uh, Age of Ultron. For some reason, and they never they never hit on this again. He had a uh, a magnetic little beat flashing light on his arm that made it come back to him. Interesting. I guess they thought they had to explain it. I'm like, you don't have to explain that to me. Why it comes back to his arm? He just he's Captain America. He, you know, he knows how to throw it. He knows angles. Look, and if he's Thor smart. can summon his hammer, Steve That's, Rogers can summon yeah, his shield. If you're gonna, you don't have to have ex- everything explained to me. You don't have to. Have it. That's that's what I did not like so much about some of the later Bond movies because they got to be there where they're like, oh, these Bond movies, we need to make them more, at least a little more realistic because he does a lot of outlandish stuff. I'm like, yeah, he's a, he's a he's James Bond. He's a secret agent. If you want to make a believable thing like that, do it and call it the Bourne identity or something like that, make it a little more grounded in reality. But this is Bond. I can accept a little bit of... Although, admittedly, the Pierce Brosnan story has got way too far the other way. Especially the one where he was in the car that w- w- turned now, invisible. Now, now the car turning invisible doesn't seem so so impossible. It was it was the ice skating, hang gliding, uh, surfing. Uh, that that and which one was that? Was it was it um, Tomorrow Never Dies? Was that, that one? It was the one with Halle Berry? Oh, uh, be Tomorrow Never Dies. I thought that was his worst one that they did. That was really just getting. Uh, out, of, out of control. I don't know. Yeah. The one that Madonna sang the <coughs> song, the last one, I thought was the worst. The one where he starts off having been in a Chinese prison and they didn't know if they could trust him anymore because he might have been turned. Right. And Is I that the like, same one where they went to the hotel made out of ice? No, that was the third That's the one. one. I'm ta- okay, the, that that one was bad, too. The, the, the one I'm talking That's about. That's horrible. It was terrible. You know what? There's only really one good Pierce Brosnan, and then there's one semi-good, and then the next let's, two let's, are horrible. Let's see if we agree on which one was the best one. I thought Tomorrow Never Dies was the best one. Goldeneye. And I thought Goldeneye was my number two. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there are two really good, and they were his first two films. Right. After that, it got stupid. I, I thought Jonathan Price as the media, media mogul in Tomorrow Never Dies was a completely unbelievable uh, oh, yeah, no. villain that would make manipulate Good things. Villain. I thought it was great. Good villain. But, uh, but yeah, those two first outings, I was kind of iffy about per- And I love, and maybe I'm a little biased, I thought Sean Bean was a great, great foil. Oh, he was. He was. He was like his, he he was was like his so counterpart, uh, Yin Yang. And he's such a good actor. He is. Sean Bean is a fantastic actor. He uh, he did a, a miniseries in England called Sharp's Adventure, where he was like set back in uh, England's uh, 1700s or 1800s or something like that. And it was fantastic. You can never find those somewhere on to download and watch Sharps uh, hmm. movies or, or things. It was very well I'll done. check that out. And I like anything that he's in. He's just another really good actor. Hey, we agreed on something else. I'm back from vacation. <laughs> Almost like another mini vacation. We get to come back for another show. That's right. <laughs> or at least another oh, segment. Oh, be down there when we come back we'll have more to talk about and we will do this day in history and find out what happened on uh, February 29th it's okay if you don't understand what he's talking about he probably doesn't either it's BK on the Air on AM 1450, FM 100.3, and online using the TuneIn Radio app. Quiet, numbskulls, I'm broadcasting. That's right, fresh back from vacation, trying to get the vacation fog out of my brain so I can get back in here and do the job that I always do. Well, I don't know if it's that that bad, but if it's the job I usually do, then I guess I'm doing all right. 
Welcome back. It's BK on the air here on AM 1450 and 100.3 FM WBHF. And on the TuneIn app, if you don't have the TuneIn app, why not? Download the free one. You could you, you might have to uh, be inconvenienced by a few commercials, but you get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of radio stations and genres of music and podcasts to choose from. But, you know, the only radio station you just you should set is for WBHF. So just choose that one as your favorite and you won't have any problems using it to listen to me and take me wherever you need to go on Saturdays from 10 a.m. to noon Eastern. Well, it's time to do the little back to uh, this day in history that I like to do every Saturday. And Yay. today is the last day of February. It's actually a bonus day. Leapy, leapy, leap year thing. That it's leap the day. weird things that happen on end of February. We're supposed to jump on each other. <laughs> okay. Wait, what? Nope. No. Well, you'd win because I'm, I'm in a fog. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. You could distract me by just doing anything. Uh, this day in history, February 29th, 1940, the 12th Annual Academy Awards. And we were talking about Gone with the Wind on your show today. Gone with the Wind wins eight Oscars. Oscars in 1940. See, as much as maybe I don't like Gone with the Wind, I don't hate it, but I I, I don't like it. Frankly, you can't idea, deny that it won eight Oscars. No. I mean, it was, it was very well received. Still not the most highly awarded film of all time. That's right. <laughs> if I have to pick something. I bet you know which one that is. I do. Uh, 1960, the first Playboy Club featuring bunnies opened in Chicago. That's back in 1960. I, I, li- I like rabbits. Yeah, nothing wrong with rabbits. I like bun buns. Mm. Come here, bunny bunnies. 1968, the Beatles' Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band wins the Grammy Award for Album of the Year. And get this, it was the first rock album to ever win a Grammy. Before then, there were never rock albums that won one. So that proved that rock and roll was coming in to start ruling the roost when it come to Grammys. Interesting, because I mean... And whatnot, so... I I love the Beatles. I mean, I I don't love them like like I like Pink Floyd. Like, that's my all-time, but... Yeah, I didn't really think. I don't think of it as like a rock album, but I guess that would be considered well, that yeah, rock. And it's not fusion. Uh, it was a it was a weird album. Before then, before then, it was like you know things like Mitch Miller and Lawrence Welk albums and all those weird things. Percy Faith and stuff like yeah would win. And there's nothing <laughs> wrong with them, but it was changing times in 1968. I love it though. That's awesome. Rest in peace, Davy Jones' uh, birthday today. He was born in 1945. He died in 2012. English singer, guitarist, and actor from the Monkees. And I always liked Davy Jones' appearance on the Brady Bunch, where Mar- Marshall was a big fan of his and president of his fan club, and he actually showed up. I love that episode of the Brady so Bunch. I was like, oh my, what a crossover. It was so cool. Uh, now, you guys were talking about Back to the Future last weekend when I was out, right. coming out in 1985. I know that you and I discussed this off air and via texts and Facebook, but I don't think I actually put it out on the air. But uh, we were t- we were goofing about how uh, 1985 was when Back to the Future was filmed, and in 1985, Marty McFly uses the DeLorean that Doc Brown built to go back in time to 1955, and he experienced meeting his parents in high school and all that stuff, and it was a great story. But that was 30 years ago, and we said if you filmed Back to the Future today, Marty would go back to 1990. Doesn't feel like uh, that's that long ago. Yeah, it's just. That makes me feel like something's wrong with that. Is that right? And when somebody told me that, I actually immediately got out my iPhone and got my calculator. I'm like, no, that can't be 30 years ago from eight, the same span from 85 to, to 55. And I put it in there and son of a gun if it wasn't right. You know what? Couldn't I, believe I, I was and For some reason, that popped in my head the other day. Maybe because right after we had had that discussion was this past week. Yeah. The 30-year span from 1955 to 85 showed so much innovation with electronics, so much with convenience, stuff. Yep, technology. with streamlining of cars, that it yeah. looks like a completely different era. Yep. But from that's, that's 90 to today, 
the innovations are things like your smartphones. Right. You know, the the the, the access to information. Yeah. But the cars don't look so dissimilar. Not too crazy the different. The buildings no. don't look so dissimilar. Not, not radically, the, no. And even the music isn't all that dissimilar. But pop music and rock music is all kind of, yeah, so maybe that's why it doesn't feel... And plus, it just doesn't feel that way because we're, you know, we're that old now and we just don't like it. But even that. when I was a kid in this, in the late 70s, listening to my mom's rock and roll albums that arguably were only 20 years earlier. Yeah, I did they too. They sounded like different music to me than what was being played. They did, yeah, because they were. There was yeah. a huge shift from the 50s into the 60s that when I grew up in the early 70s, everything was moving now toward this like a, a hard rock guitar edge. Like, right. And so, and then now that's been with us. And I kept, I keep asking my, uh, my, my daughters, what will be the next sort of like pivot point where music will completely change? Because I know the whole auto tune, auto harmonizers, that's big, but it doesn't hasn't taken over the landscape. Thank goodness, yeah. If you go back and listen to just you know in the fifties compared to today, it's radically different. Oh yeah, and 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 w- will we have something like that again? Will there be that next form of evolution in music where people go, you know, those guitars are so old, we're not right. going to do that now. Or we're going to take the the instrument that we think we know how to right. use and add a layer of complexity that we've never believed before. Like, like Marty says, guess you guys aren't ready for this yet. Right, being able to play and that, guitar solo. And that reminds me of uh, th- something my dad used to say. He was, my dad was a big Buddy Holly fan, and Buddy Holly was kind of like ahead of a lot of other people in his songwriting and and, and all the music abilities and things that he was introducing in the studio. If you ever get a chance to watch the Buddy Holly story with Gary Busey, it's a great film that they made about Buddy Holly. But my dad would always say, what, would, what do you think Buddy Holly would have done had he lived? Mm-hmm. I mean, he would have just kept innovating, and there's no telling what he would have sounded like in the 70s and what he would have went on with or whatever. So you can never answer the question, but it's an, it's an interesting thing to ponder. So you guys talking about that reminded me of the Back to the Future story. If we, go back to, if we do Back to the Future today, it would be 1990. So I decided to use 1990 as our way back point today. So the top box office hit in 1990 this week – was Driving Miss Daisy. Oh, Morgan was Freeman. Was number one filmed in Atlanta, mm-hmm. in our hometown here. Dan Aykroyd and the woman was Jessica Tandy. Jessica Tandy, yep. And uh, who was uh, another British actress doing a young, uh, an older Southern lady, which did, did it very well. It was a great way. movie. Academy Award um, Number one on television back in 1990, if you turned the TV on and wanted to watch the number one show. Friends. AB, ABC had it. Oh, ABC. It wasn't in February. In February, it was Roseanne. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. On ABC. Yeah. Was Rose the number one show. So uh, if you turned on the radio, maybe if you still had an AM transistor radio, you could still hear Terrestrial radio, That's as right. they call it now. <laughs> and a FM signal or whatever you had on your radio. Your boombox. Or whatever. You still had a boombox. <laughs> boombox, yes. In 1990. You, the number one song on the radio in 1990, 30 years ago. Paula Abdul. 
30 years ago with Opposites Two Steps to Forward. I take two steps back. That's right. I and had vi- this album, by the way. You you did? I, I took, did. I won't hold that against you because I thought it was a fun song. And the, video, the video was even more fun because she's dancing around with the little animated character. Animated cat. I thought it was cool. Yeah. yeah what was buddy. his name? Cat Mitzcat? Wasn't that I, his I, name? I have no idea. I can't it, remember that. But It says it's Paul Abdul with the wild pair. Huh. On the credit, so maybe that has something to do with it. So it that could was be the, thirty years. Be, ago. I think it's the guy who's singing with her in that. He's like the featured singer. Oh, okay, but uh, but it's a fun video. I liked Paula Abdul. She only had the one really hit album. She had four or five big <laughs> right. big hits on it. They went on to be a judge on American Idol. Yeah. Do you know her big claim to fame was she initially was a uh, a, a Lakers cheerleader and then oh, became really? a choreographer for the cheerleaders. Choreographer. I thought and she was a backup what, singer for a lot of people. That was, but that was um, Cheryl Crow. Cheryl Crow was a backup singer for Michael Jackson and a lot of people. So. Yeah, you've got to get your start somewhere, right? The girl that did Mickey O, Mickey, You're So Fine, Tony Basil, she was a, a, a choreographer, choreographer for a long, long time. And used it in her video for Mickey, all the cheerleading things that mm-hmm. they did. Uh, National Time Refund Day today. That's that's the name of the day. The day. You refund my time? We like, get back like something. The three hours I wasted, or four, five hours I wasted on Guardians of the Saturday Morning. Do I get to refund We'll get that? your time back on the silence on your show this morning, okay. which is about, what, seven minutes? <laughs> Thank you. That's at least I'm 10 sorry. minutes. No one will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Blocking the door and coming in and turning on the radio every Saturday. That's what I do. I love coming in here and keep anybody from anybody that's already in here can't get back out. Lozenge, you know? No, I'm all right. Drink a water. I'm just trying. Something's trying to. I think I brought. I think I brought something back from Orlando. I hope I don't. Coronavirus. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. There were a lot of people from other countries in line in the in the in the rides with me. I say coronavirus. What's going on? I didn't have one Corona beer. Thank you very much. I don't. It can't be that. I let, thought you had to drink Corona to stop from getting coronavirus. Let, let me. Oh, was it just the opposite of that? Yeah. Uh, let me just say this about this whole Corona panicky scare. Now, I don't want anybody to, to to think that I don't think it should be taken seriously. Anything like that, you need to take. You seriously. take the flu seriously. But what were now? What were the? I read at the CDC that the the ratio of deaths to flu as compared to deaths to Corona was uh, Corona was like was it four thousand people or whatever worldwide, and the flu was. It's 26,000 people worldwide died of the flu. Now, they're they're concerned about the ratio, the percentage of people that die that get corona as compared to die, to die when they get I think the, the 20,000 so, number is just the United like, States because we looked this up. Maybe it is. Worldwide, yeah. depending on whether it's a heavy year. Or, right. Uh, and it's different based. Let's face it. Some countries ha- don't have the standards right, we have. Exactly. It can be Hygiene, as little as 200,000 a year annually to as much as 600,000 a year annually die right. from the flu. Complications brought on from the right. flu. So I'm like... 200 but, but, to 600,000 worldwide. Right. 20,000 on average in the U.S. And the problem, and the other problem I'm having with the, the with the panic outbreak because of it, and like I say, I'm not going to make light of it. I know that it's a problem. You want to you do something about it. But the, the, the stock market hit that it took last week. I checked my, I checked my okay. one of my retirement plans, and it took about a $5,000 smack. Yeah, it's, like, d- it's dumb. That. It is so that. dumb that there is such a fast <clears throat> impulse reaction to this. If anybody took a chance to just sit back and go, wait a minute, I get it. It's a new strain, right? but it's in the same family as influenza in terms of its, a lot of its genetic makeup. Right. Yes, it could mutate. It could change into something. Yes, we don't know the incubation period. I get there's some unknowns. 
but it doesn't have the kind of. It's not like we're talking Ebola. Right. We're not talking plague. We just don't want. We just don't want overboard panic right. causing this. You know, and that's that's what made me. Mad Everybody about I've that. interviewed since, and uh, what I, I was actually telling Kevin this during the week during Bartos Morning News. I had a chance to sit down with Sabrina Cupid the last time I was at WSB. She is the health reporter, right? And she actually is the liaison to the CDC. So whenever there's a press conference, she immediately is already part of that. She's the media person from WSB that goes to any CDC briefing, anything like that, on the phone calls. She said, you treat it at this point like you would treat prevention of the flu. Cover right. your mouth, you know, sneeze into your elbow. Don't sneeze out loud to everybody. Wash yeah. your hands. Keep your hands out of your face. Don't put your fingers in your nose, your mouth, your eyes if you haven't washed them thoroughly. Just the same kind of precautions you would take with the flu. And let's reemphasize something else that we know. Hand sanitizer isn't always a replacement for washing your hands. You can use it. That's fine. I know it's got alcohol in it, and it could kill some things. But there's nothing better than putting your hands under flowing water yep. with soap and rub vigorously for at least a minute or two, you know, or whatever. Happy sing birthday. the happy birthday song yeah. twice is what you I mean, you if you recommend. want to sing Inagata De Vida when you do it, or American <laughs> Pie. you washing your hands. <laughs> uh, or American Pie. But, you know, sing those songs. Your hand will be really, really clean. But, uh, but <laughs> I yeah, can almost so eat off of these things. Just do, just do that, and I think uh, everything will hopefully That's, be better. You know, and here's the thing. Just like with flu, here we're going to turn into a public service announcement. If you're prone to serious respiratory problems brought on by the flu or you've had – Lung issues, or you're which I very, do, very I have young, asthma, yes, or I you're do. very, very old. That's where it's the most serious. If you are healthy, if you don't have a propensity to young, to lung issues, if you don't have an autoimmune disorder, right, it's not going to be the it's not going to be the, the death knell. I think people assume no. here comes a plague, we're all going to die, right? Because I've seen the movies. Yeah, I know how it's going to happen. They keep calling for patients. It's either going to be plague or zombies or zombies with plague. That's how it's going to happen. Or a big meteor is going to hit us, one or the other. Just don't panic is the is the main problem. 770-386-1450 is our number here with BK on the air on WBHF. Somebody did that. Dial the numbers on the line right now. Hey, it's BK on the air. Who's this? Hello, Barry. Oh, it's Eric. <laughs> hey, buddy. You're calling me on my first day back from vacation. But your, your hey, voice yeah, doesn't sound very happy, though. I'm not. You're <clears throat> not happy. What happened to you? What's wrong? You keep bringing up stuff that happened 30 years ago. Hey, that's part of my job on this show. Not, uh, I'm going to guarantee. It does not feel like 30 years ago. No, the 1990 got I to you. <laughs> yeah. I, I also seven. can guarantee Eric liked Paula Abdul when, when that song came out. I'm sure he did. Yes, it was yeah. a hit. It was a great video to watch, not only for the animation, but for her dancing around. She's eye candy. Yes, it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still. Um, so, yeah. Well, I, mean, I, I didn't know, mean to do I that. I don't know why I liked it seven years, ago, seven years old, but now I understand you just figured that out probably a couple of weeks ago, right? How oh, you really like that. He had to admit to me last week that uh, now he's joining the, quote, old club. I heard that. I was listening on the way back from Orlando. Yeah. Yep, yep. And Barry keeps making it worse. Well, you know, <laughs> I can't help it. It's the theme of my show. No, to, no, that's no, nos- nostalgia. on my Facebook yesterday. Yeah, did you? I just thought I'd send that to you, the, the Magnum P. I think so. I know you're a Magnum fan. Barry, I was three. I know, but you, you've seen it before. Oh, you've seen that episode. I remember that episode. I didn't mean, I did, did I say, did you did, did you like the episode? I just put it on your page. Didn't know you were aware of it. I didn't think Barry, you watched it back then. I know better than that. Barry, I was three. I remember that exact episode. Well, that's okay. You're still, it hurt me. <laughs> it hurt you. Well, that's part of that's part of what I do. I'm sorry that it's hurtful, but you know what? I'm kind of like a shot in your. In, you get into buttocks. You go and get that <laughs> shot in your buttocks. It's going to hurt for a little while, but you know what? In a little bit, you're going to feel better. Um, no, 
No, I'm old. No, you're getting older. You're There's get, a big yeah, difference. There's different. Don't get old. Get older with grace and keep your mind fresh. There's well, always something new. Go somewhere and start gumming grits. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, put butter, put butter, salt, and pepper on them. They're good, you know. This ain't good. <laughs> Start watching Where Lawrence. Is my name going? Start watching Lawrence Welk and wear uh, sandals with black socks. What have I accomplished? I'm sorry, but oh, you know what? Oh you, the alternative to growing old is worse. So don't. Oh, do hey, that. we got to let him go. I totally forgot we were going straight to the top of the hour. We have to go over to oh, baseball. That's right. Baseball's Ooh. cut me off early, so I appreciate it, right. buddy. Bye. Talk to you later. Don't be don't be old. I'll like hover over the Get board. Get ready for action-packed baseball here on WBHF because it's coming up. We're uh, we're going. Uh, I'm going off early a little bit today, but we're going to bring you baseball live in just a few minutes here on WBHF. Man, that ball got out of here in a hurry. You know, anything travels that far out of have a damn stewardess on it, don't you think? <laughs> 